Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdy's have served this valley for decades. And there's a good reason why, because they put the customer first. They'll find you the right insurance at the right price that fits your budget. And if something happens to you, they'll make sure that you are completely covered. They'll act as if it happened to them. It's Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the a call of the day, a slice of Major League Baseball history. Here's the one-two, and there's a swing, and it's a high drive deep down the left field side. It's tight to the line. It is out of here. The 600 home run club just got bigger. Albert Pujols, you're its newest member. A grand slam. My old friend Terry Smith. who used to be the voice of Ohio State football and basketball. And, of course, then uh, Terry always told me his first love was baseball. Well, he got to call a slice of history as Albert Pujols became the ninth man in the history of Major League Baseball. He hit the 600 home run mark. The 23-year-old, by the way, from Cal State Fullerton, who caught the ball for no money, gave it back. I think that's very interesting. Good for him. Very pleased to be joined by one of the absolute best in the business from MLB.com, Richard Justice. Richard, welcome. It is great to have you with us on the show. Well, thanks, Steve. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to start with Pujols, by the way. I mean, that's a good good starting point right there with the slice of history they achieved the other night. Uh, give us, uh, as someone who has witnessed so much in his career, where you know where he ranks among, in your mind, historically, some of the other great players that you've had the privilege of covering. Well, when you rank first baseman, uh, Lou Gehrig is better, but right. any other anybody else. Jimmy Fox, Eddie Murray, anybody you want to name, Orlando Cepeda, uh, Pujols is in that conversation, if not above it. His legacy will be that when he was with the Cardinals, uh, he was the best player in baseball or one of the three best players, and that the Cardinals won more games and won multiple World Series, I believe, in terms of the he's going to have 3,000 hits. In terms of 3,000 hits and the home runs and the championships, I believe he's right there with Babe Ruth, you know, to win multiple championships while doing all that. You know, and I think from a personality standpoint, in 2001 when he went to spring training, he played only a handful of games above A ball. They weren't going to keep him, but he was so disciplined. His work ethic was so resolute. He was the 402nd player taken in the 99 draft. Wouldn't sign until they gave him $60,000 and turned out to be one of the great players of our generation. So, I, you know, to paraphrase Bum Phillips, I don't know what class he's in, but it doesn't take long to call roll. <laughs> 
I want to ask you about the Astros because you, obviously you covered this organization for a period of time during the course of your career. What has allowed them to ascend to this spot, and how smart have they been management-wise to get here? Well, it's been a painful journey in that a guy named Jim Crane, a Houston businessman, bought the team in 2011, late in 2011. And he said two things. The the organization had really declined. And he said two things. I'm going to hire a general manager that's great in the draft, done great in the draft. Jeff Luno had done that with the Cardinals. And I'm going to give him the patience and the resources to rebuild it. Now, look, I I mean, I I remember telling Jim Leland what they were going to do, and he just rolled his eyes and said, I've heard that before. It is painful to do one of these teardowns in that your TV ratings go to zero. You play, you lose 100 games uh, three times. These are competitive people, and um, the ballpark's empty. But what they did was they accumulated a ton of young talent, energetic young talent, and then last offseason they decided, hey, let's put the finishing touch on with some veterans, Carlos Beltran, Brian McCann, Josh Reddick, Nori Aoki, Charlie, Charlie Morton. And so they're pretty much a perfect team now. You know, are they 41 and 16 perfect? No. But when the, their top two starters, Keichel and McCullers, are healthy, they would have made the playoffs last year if they'd have been healthy in September. But when they're healthy, they're a team without really any weaknesses. Which is interesting that you say that uh, about them because they've been able to build this thing. In a lot of ways, do you see, uh, because of the background of the people involved, a, a Cardinals imprint on how they do things? And beyond, obviously, the, the stealing of information and things like that. Yeah, I think, the, yes. I mean, that's where Jeff Leno cut his teeth in baseball and he had great drafts i mean he found look at where he found matt carpenter in the draft and matt adams and and alan craig i mean they had a string of of great great draft great drafts um there's an arms race now in terms of the data and analytics and teams like the rays and the dodgers and the astros it's what's the next great thing people think of analytics they think it's a statistic now it's everything it's gathering data on where you deploy scouts how much you pay draft picks how many scouts do you send to Venezuela? How many do you send to the Dominican? All of that stuff. So it's just collecting information. But, you know, the thing about the Astros, they're really good. But, you know, you can be good, but it's another thing to be interesting. And in guys like George Springer and Carlos Correa, 22 years old, and Al- Jose Altuve, they have guys, they have guys that are just uh, a joy to watch play every day. And this 10-game winning streak, it's one of those little magic times when everything clicks. You know, your stars have to be stars, but then you get contributions from up and down the roster. It's interesting that you mentioned that about the draft because obviously, uh, you know, when I'm not doing Penn State work and so forth, I have the privilege of doing the State College Spikes, who happen to be a Cardinals minor league affiliate in sure. the New York Penn League, which all means I also see Tri City, which is the Astros affiliate. Right. And it's amazing the cut above talent level that they're able to find out of a draft or even grassroots from from the scouting that you have. You can actually see it in both organizations, even at a level like this. Yeah, you know, uh, Jeff Luno's first two draft picks in 2012 were Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers Jr., and they were the American League Player and Pitcher of the Month for May. He took one slot, the number one pick slot, and and, and Correa was not a consensus pick. He got him from below the slot and had enough money to lure Lance McCullers from going to the University of Florida. And little things like that, 
pay off in, in, in the long term. You know, and another thing they do, another thing about analytics, it's pitch usage is a big deal. If you come here and your slider and your curveball, if your curveball is the best pitch you have, they're going to ask you to throw more curveballs, not less. We're going to, they ask you to focus on what's working. So it's a lot of different things. Again, though, I mean, they, they're just, they're really fun to watch and they have a great mix of youth and experience. And I, I saw somebody in Dallas last week wrote, well, they're set up for the next 10 years. You, you never, you know, the Cubs are supposed to be set up for the next 20 years. What you got right, right now is lightning in a bottle and you got to ride it as long as, as you have it. Right, exactly. So now, what lessons? Now, Philly, Philly fans are listening to this right now. So, what lessons can the can Phillies fans? What can their organization learn from what you just talked about that would help them going forward and can make them solid for the next five to ten years? Well, I would say they're there because what they have is a great front office, a great president of baseball operations, a great general manager, and what what works now. And they have that. Their manager, Pete McCann, has done very good. You, you're going to have highs and lows with young players. You got to throw them in there. They're going to they're going to adjust. The league's going to adjust. You have to come back. You know, one of the things we assumed about the Cubs was they had all these young players, Baez and Schwarber and Contreras and Almora, and we all just assumed their career arc was going to go straight up, no bumps. Well, that never happens, and we've seen them all struggle at times this year. Schwarber struggled so, I mean, I struggled mightily. So you have to be patient. And, I just, and the Yankees are a good lesson. The Yankees, a couple of years ago, brought their players in to, for a meet-and-greet with season ticket holders, and the player all the fans wanted to meet was Greg Bird, the first baseman, and they realized... Right. They realize our fans, if they see young guys that have a chance to get better and are playing their butts off, it won't be the typical no patient New York Yankee fan. They understand the big picture. And I think what you've seen is that plan that the Yankees had is paid off this year with Aaron Judge, with Gary Sanchez. Bird's hurt right now, uh, but they're headed in the right direction. Are they good enough? Well, they're sure fun to watch. They're a lot of fun to watch, and that's is that that's been I think one of the great um, interesting turns turnarounds in philosophy. Without George Steinbrenner yeah. there, Hal Steinbrenner seems to have a different philosophy. Is that fair? That is very fair, and he's the one that told me the story about the fans wanting to see Greg Bird. And what the other thing is data. He said, "Look, I don't think we ought to." We should have to have a $200 million payroll to win the World Series. Look around. I think the payroll rank of the last eight, last ten World Series winners has been eight. I think that's right. Something like that. So we have to be great in player development. So what they did in trading two relievers last year, they they bumped up their farm system, which was already pretty good. They have the best farm system in baseball. They've had a perfect season. Their young guys, for the most part, have played well at the big league level. Their veteran guys like Ellsbury and Jacoby, uh, um, Ellsbury and Gardner have played well, and they have waves of more talent on the way. Uh, and that's how you have to do it. But w- when things go bad, and with young players, they're going to be highs and lows. There are going to be days when you think, oh, my God, this kid can't, will never be able to play. And, and, you know, you don't know, but you have, to, you have to put them out there and let them. The key is staying the course. It's interesting to talk about that, about the youth movements across the board uh, in the game. Uh, does does the game, do the people in baseball do well enough, in your opinion, of getting people to understand this? For example, Pujols hits his 600th home run. Now, this is a veteran guy who's been around. Everybody knows who he is. 
But with the Stanley Cup playoffs and, of course, the NBA, and we know the investment ESPN's made in the NBA, are they getting dominated by other sports? And if if so, how can they change that perception? Well, I mean, the sport has never been healthy. Revenues, attendance, 72 million last year. Local radio and TV ratings are skyrocketing. Now, one of the things Commissioner Rob Manfred says when he goes around and speaks to players is, We've never been better represented with young talent on the field, off the field. Mike Trout, Clayton Groshaw, Andrew McCutcheon, not a young guy anymore, and we're going to promote the hell out of those guys. So I think we're seeing you know, they're doing is, is, is they're, they're doing their best to make sure people know that Clayton Kershaw is one of the great pitchers that's ever towed a rubber, but that he is also a guy that represents everything you want a professional athlete to be. So yeah, it's just it's a matter of telling the story and keeping it going. You know, we're coming off a great World Series, and uh, you know, and what we're seeing is, you know, just there's 54 first-time All Stars in the last two um, All Star games, and this year we're going to see Correa, we're going to see Aaron Judge, we're going to see Eric Thames, guys like that. So the game is changing and rapidly, and it's going to take some time to move in the post Jeter, post Big Poppy era for people to fall in love with these guys. Which then brings me to the article that you wrote uh, on MLB.com. Ten players worthy of first All-Star game nod. In your opinion, that would be? Well, uh, the front of that, the top of the list is Aaron Judge. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> when you're a Yankee kid, you're hyped. And he's fulfilled all that. I mean, he, he's he's handled it like a veteran. And there are others. You know, Carlos Correa has been just, just unbelievable. The Astros have two. George Springer and Carlos Correa have just been to they play with a certain energy and they you know and and they're just uh, they're just a joy to, to watch play to me they represent a lot of what uh, the game has become and what we want the game to be interesting uh, how do you evaluate right now the state of hitting because the the percentage of the ball being in play when the ball's in play the game gets really exciting and right. you you know a big baseball fan that I am a well pitched game is a beautiful game to watch but is the ball in play enough or is there too many attempts at big swing and not and not enough at building innings well, there's um, that's that's also a Pujols question. He's never struck out a hundred times uh, in his career in a season. At a time when we accept strikeouts, as uh, we look at them differently, Albert was never one that accepted that. But in terms of analytics, what players now understand, what teams now understand, is good things happen when you get the ball in the air, and so players accept strikeouts. Now, there's a you mentioned it, it, it slows the game down. This comes back to the commissioner's uh, obsession with pace of game. Not so much time of game, but pace of game and uh, keep the action moving. I, and I think, uh, he has not said this, but I think the, the Arizona Fall League and some minor leagues have experimented with a pitch clock. And scouts who watch games that, you know, after an inning, the pitch clock disappears. And when you leave the park, you say there's a better pace. So with more strikeouts and more home runs, uh, you do you do have to do something to keep the game moving. In terms of are they going to cut down on strikeouts? I think no. I think that the, the larger lesson is you get the ball in the air. That's how you make your money. That's how you win games. And I don't think that's going to change. Players are focusing now on that instead of hitting the ball on the ground. 
One final question, Richard, and I'll let you go, and I thank you so much for your valuable time. I've enjoyed this very much. How do you view analytics? What analytics are useful to you, and which ones don't pass the smell test to you? Well, it's all-encompassing now, and it basically is just a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 an arms race for information. You know, we used to think of it as just statistics. So I say to Jeff Luno, the Astros GM, who's all in, I say, well, wait, wait, and this is what scouts will say. Um, a computer can't find a player in Venezuela. And he said, no, that's true. But a, but a data, a database can tell you where the, where the players come from in Venezuela, how many scouts each team deploys in Venezuela, what area of the country, how much they sign for, when they sign, what positions they play. So that's the way I view analytics. Now, it is like we mentioned. I mentioned pitch usage, defensive alignment. Uh, it's all of that. The question comes down, what do you tell the players? without clogging their their minds. So Joe, I've had long talks with players, including Joey Votto, who's very into all of that. Like, how, what do you want to know and what is too much? And I think what teams, the smart teams, like the Dodgers have done now, is just have people available to answer questions. What, what do you need to know about this pitcher tonight, about these hitters you're going to face, and, and all of that. It's here to stay, you know, and, and, and what is happening to Mark Antonazzi, the owner of the Brewers, was at MIT visiting his son a couple of years ago. And he sees a kid doing gaming, working on a gaming project. And the kid goes, hey, I do some baseball, too. And he goes, yeah, what do you do? And he goes, I'm on retainer for the Astros. I'm doing a study on when is the optimal time in a game to steal a base. And I mentioned it to the Astros GM later, Jeff Luno, and he said, that's the kind of thing you just trying to uncover each stone, make sure you ha- you, you're examining everything. But things like that, you generally, you're probably not going to learn anything. But you might, and then, you know, it's a little bit of money or something that, that could help us along the way. So that's what it is. It's all encompassing. It's in the NBA now in a huge way. And it's, you know, that's how we got the three-point shot. Teams realize you're better off shooting more threes then the old clear it out and it's also more fun to watch clear it out and isolate on Patrick Ewing down in the post yeah that's what I was telling everybody if you take 18 shots make 9 twos you have 18 points right. you take 18 shots and make 6 threes you've got 18 points right Simple. exactly right and it's fun to watch it's it is a, it's, it's someone who does it for a living. I can tell you, it is a lot. It's a lot fun to broadcast when threes are raining in left and right. Richard, right. thanks so much. Greatly appreciate the time. This was fascinating, and I hope we can do this again. Okay, appreciate it. Richard Justice, MLB.com, one of the best in the business. Covered a lot of ground there. Could have covered a lot more too. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You just don't think about insurance. You buy a home, you take out a policy, and you forget about it until something happens and you need it. Then you think about insurance a lot. My agent recommended insurance from Selective. Insurance for our home and property, jewelry, even the food in our refrigerator. Selective thinks about everything so I don't have to. Selective. Response is everything. Get to know us at Selective.com. Get to know your local Selective agent. Pretty Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or at PrettyInsurance.com. Find out what Pretty Insurance can do for you. Richard asked me, he says, this, this isn't the home of digital media, is it? 
I, I thought that was fascinating. I mean, the way the Astros have built, look, I, and I can see what they're doing firsthand in terms of, you know, not obviously not every guy at this level makes it. But, like, I've had a chance to watch firsthand, for example, Tri-City. All right, well, Tri-City is their farm affiliate. And, you know, you can see the talent. You can see how they draft. Now, Houston's had high draft picks. Well, they've taken advantage of it. They've taken advantage of it. All right, final half hour. Penguins play Nashville coming up tonight. In game four, the question is if Pecorini shows up again the way he did the other night, can the Penguins win? And that crowd, they come right through the TV set. At one point, I called the police. I thought half of them were in my room. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Now on the surface, that sounds impressive. All right, great to be with you <laughs> on the show today. Ah, yes. Brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades. And the big reason why they have, the big reason they have is because uh, there's a claim. They act as if it happened to them. They jump right on it. And there's also the fact that they will get you the right insurance at the right price. They understand budgets. They understand needs. They also want to make sure you're completely covered. So they'll find you the insurance that completely covers you, and they'll make sure it fits your budget. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf.
Hummel's Wharf, where the suit could be king. Could be. And now we have to do the sports bozo of the day. Well, sports bozo of the day. Actually, it would be three of them. The three fans that got into a fight next to LeBron James on the way out last night. Did you see that? Now, J.R. Smith, who on the court so far has not had a lot of success in this series, actually got LeBron out of the way, kind of shoved him out of the way to make sure that that nobody got near LeBron. So those are our sports bozos of the day. All right. Thad Mata is out as the basketball coach at Ohio State. Uh, Gene Smith, the athletic director, said a conversation between him and Mata led to the determination that change was needed. Recruiting, he says, is a major part of that. And Smith said, quote, we were not winning recruiting battles. As we started talking about it Friday, the flow of the conversation took me to the realization, as I said to him, this might be a time to make a leadership change, and he agreed. But keep in mind, Mata has, his back situation is not good. And I want to say it was about a year and a half ago I talked to Thad just briefly about it, not long. And he's, you know, and he and he said to me, he says, "Look, it's it's tough. I mean, sometimes you'd watch him walk a little bit, and he kind of drag that leg a little bit." Uh, and he'd have that that chair on the sideline. It was a higher chair because of his back. Now, Mata does not want to get out of coaching. Uh, he has indicated that he still would like to coach. And he said at a press conference today, you know, look, never say never about the possibility of him going back to the sideline. He said he needs to get healthy as one reason for leaving the job. He's you know, he talked about the health issues he's had, including emergency back surgery in 2007. He wears a brace on his right foot due to nerve damage. That's why I talked about the, the him dragging that foot. Smith said the Buckeyes will conduct a national search for the next coach, but I'll tell you right now, it's June, and I know this scenario very well. That's the scenario with which Patrick Chambers got hired. He didn't get hired until June, so there's you know, so this person that comes in will have no late recruiting class, none, and they'll have to go with what they have. They've had some problems there at Ohio State this past year. Um, they went 17 and 15. Did not go anywhere this this time around. They went to the NIT a year ago. Uh, Mod has been to the Final Four twice. He went to the national championship game with his team in 2007. That was the Greg Oden Mike Conley team. Daquan Cook. All three were first round picks. And he's been able to get great talent over the years. Some one and dones. Odin, Conley, Cook were all one and dones. 
Costa Kufus a one and done. B.J. Mullins was a one and done. Evan Turner stayed longer. John Diebler stayed longer. Jared Sullinger, I think, went two years. Deshaun Thomas, D'Angelo Russell was a one and done. Uh, and we know Mata had great success at Xavier for three seasons. We know he had great success at Butler before that. But they've had problems this year. He had a highly touted recruiting class one year ago that played the NIT team that played in the in the 15-16 season. Highly touted recruiting class. Every single member of that recruiting class left. Then this year, Jaquan Lyle got into trouble off the court, and then he left the team. Uh, David Bell, backup center, but would have played, left the team, transferred. And Trevor Thompson, who had transferred from Virginia Tech in and had one season of eligibility left, inexplicably um, inexplicably Turn pro. You're like, turn pro? He's not going to get drafted. He's not going to get drafted, but he turned pro. They're down right now to 10 players, and that includes the walk on Joey Lane. All right. Jonathan Bonboy joins us now from the Pittsburgh Tribune. Penguins. Fred, tonight, Jonathan, welcome. Great to have you with us. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Well, let's start with this. Uh, do the Penguins need Sidney Crosby and uh, Gino Malkin to combine for more than zero shots in a game? Probably, yeah, zero would not be the optimal number for those two guys. Um, you know, I mean, Peter Laviolette, Nationals coach, talks about how um, he's not, he doesn't think that's a big deal because those are guys who facilitate, you know. If they're not taking shots, that means their line mates probably are. And, and there's some truth to that. I mean, Connor Sheary playing on, on Crosby's line had five shots last game, for instance, um, while Crosby had none. So it's, it's not a deal breaker when those guys aren't shooting the puck, but I'll tell you this. When they are shooting the puck, it's sort of indicative that they're really driving play and they're really, you know, dictating possession. And when you see those guys put up bigger shot numbers, it's usually a good sign for the way the Penguins are playing. Normally, Jonathan, the Penguins have the advantage in special teams. In this series so far, Nashville has. Why? Yeah, well, I think um, a big thing that I've, you know, I mean, when you're in the Eastern Conference, you don't see a lot of Nashville during the regular season. You know, you hear about certain players and stuff, but when you get a look at them for three games in a row now, you really start to appreciate Nashville's defensemen, and they are really good. Um, Roman Yossi is a is a is a real stud. PK Subban is an outstanding player. Um, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, those top four guys. It's probably the best top four the Penguins have faced all year. So that really shows itself on special teams because I mean those guys are, are running the show at the point. Um, good shooters, all of them. Subban can skate. He's flying around the offensive zone. So that that gives uh, Penguins penalty killers quite a bit to worry about. And then those guys are good penalty killers too. I mean, the, you know, they're, the the Penguins when they're at their best on the power play, they're like we talked about with Crosby and Malkin, they're shooting the puck more. Um, and and when 
you know, guys are taking that away from them and pressuring them so aggressively like Nashville does. Um, it gives them less time to make plays, less time to get shots off. And it's uh, it's absolutely been a, a real struggle, special teams-wise, for the Penguins in the first three games. Um, and, you know, I mean, these are generally, when you get this late in the season, we're talking about close games, games decided by a goal more often than not. Um, and, and that one special teams goal, one way or the other, you know, can totally make the difference, um, you know, in the outcome, really. As you pointed out, Game 3 was not one of those one-goal games that made a difference. Mm -hmm. It's a fourth time in the postseason, as you point out, that the Penguins have given up five goals in a game. But each one of them in the end had something in common, didn't it? Yeah, well, every time they've given up five goals, the first three times they came back to win the next game. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, one of them is, you know, these are professional athletes with pride, and they don't like getting beat that bad, so that's part of it. Um, a second part of it is Matt Murray. I mean, this is a kid in, in two postseasons. Um, I think one of his greatest attributes has been the ability to bounce back from a loss. Um, he's 7-0 and after a loss in the playoffs. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's something that's really remarkable. And the other thing is um, Mike Sullivan is, is, you know, I mean, he's the kind of coach who um, really takes pride in those between-game adjustments. Like, he's a guy who likes to go back to the lab, uh, watch some video, and, you know, make a couple of tweaks here and there to maybe make the difference. So, you know, you, you add up those three things, and pride and goaltending and coaching, that's a pretty good recipe for, for a bounce-back performance in, in the next game. So, you know, I mean, you don't just, you know, sort of uh, put put the jerseys out there and go out and get a bounce back performance. You got to go out and earn it. And like I said, um, Nashville's top four defensemen will make it very difficult for the Penguins to pull that off again tonight. Um, but they do have the track record of, of responding really well when they when they get beat, especially when they get beat decisively. Jonathan Bob Bully joins us from the Trib as uh, the Penguins get ready for Nashville. If there's one takeaway I had from Game 3 that if I, if I were a Penguins fan, I'd sit back and go, okay, that concerns me. Will he do it again? Because that's the first time we've seen the real Pecorino. That's uh, a good question. And, and, I mean, you know, he's a guy who um, – he had a great year. Um, the, the track record for him having success is longer than the track record for him struggling. Um, I, I, you know, I've had a hard time really getting a, a sort of a grasp on goaltending in these uh, playoffs so far um, in, in terms of Penguins opponents because, you know, you, you start with Columbus and um, Sergei Bobrovsky, who will probably win the Vezina Trophy this year. Right. And at times, the Penguins made him look terrible. In the second round, Braden Holtby, who won the Vezina Trophy last <laughs> year. And at times, the Penguins made him look terrible. And then you start to say to yourself, you know, maybe this isn't a matter of goaltenders just playing bad against the Penguins. Maybe it's a, mem- a matter of the Penguins making good goaltenders look bad. So I think when they do get to their game and they play that speed game, the counterattacking game, the possession game, um, they have the capability of making any goaltender look bad. I mean, I really, when I look at all four rounds, Craig Anderson in Ottawa in game six of the conference finals was probably the only time a goalie really stole a game right. uh, from the Penguins. Otherwise, if they're playing well, they beat the goaltender. So I don't think Rene is necessarily the kind of thing that the Penguins are going to end up banging their head into a wall. But, um, you know, if they're not playing particularly dangerous hockey, he can shut them down. If they are, I don't. I think he's kind of powerless to stop it. Never been to a hockey game in Nashville. Um, what you – know, the noise comes through the TV set. What's it, what's it like being in there? It's the real deal. It's um, – 
it's fun. It's it's an interesting environment, and like I don't know that it's necessarily the volume, like the decibel level. I mean, there's lots of places where it gets loud, and, and you know, for a hockey game. But it's sustained. Uh, but it's sustained, though. That's exactly what it is. It's it's there's the engagement level of these fans is like really high. It starts really early and during warmups, they'll like fill the whole building, <laughs> and and you know start cheering and you know for whatever. And somebody throws a catfish on the ice, the place goes crazy, <laughs> um, and and it's still you know faceoff is still forty five minutes away, and, and everybody's in there standing and going nuts. So yeah, to me that's the that's the thing is the engagement level. Like the, these fans have never had a Stanley Cup final before, and they are appreciating every moment of it. And I'll tell you what else. I think it makes a little bit of a difference. Um, and in, in this particular scenario, a team that gives up a goal on the road in a, in a loud building has to regroup. And um, they have to do it in a loud building where they can't communicate with each other, especially defensively. It's harder to communicate. And in those situations, you see teams give up one goal and then bang, they give up another goal right, right. after it. It happened to the Penguins in the last game. And the Penguins are actually good at doing that to opponents in Pittsburgh, too. Uh, and to me, that little, that, that second goal after a first goal, that can be attributed to a loud crowd sometimes. Uh, player-wise, personnel now, uh, Nick Benino, Matt Cullen, uh, Patrick Hornquist. Uh, how are the three heading into game four? Uh, Cullen and Hornquist are fine. Um, Hornquist he didn't skate yesterday because he's coming off an injury that kept him out upper body, kept him out most of the Ottawa series. Um, Cullen just had the day off because he's old. And um, <laughs> I, I love the I, honesty. <laughs> I say that with all due respect. I mean, he's forty. You yeah, know, by I regular know. people standards, he's not old. But um, and uh, he's not any younger today. But he's doing all right skating out there. Uh, Benino is one of these hockey playoff stories. I mean, he is getting around on crutches. He, yesterday, he was walking around on crutches with a walking boot, and yet he somehow got his foot into a skate and took part in most of the practice. And the, I mean, there's just there's no way to describe it except, you know, just that sort of playoff mentality where these guys have exceptional pain tolerance and courage and just go out there and play on who who knows what. I mean, if he has a broken foot, it wouldn't shock me one bit, and it also wouldn't shock me if he played on it. But but that said, he's limited. I mean, you watch him in practice; it's hard for him to push off. Yeah. I'm not sure it'll be the greatest idea to play him tonight, uh, but he wants to go. That's for sure. Gensel is an interesting story because it it seems like they'll float him from line to line, and the result, at least in the playoffs, is still the same. What's allowed Gensel to be the kind of difference maker that has really helped make the Penguins click? Yeah, his story is so great because um, you know he's a third-round pick, kind of an undersized guy. I don't know that anybody expected him to come in and make this dramatic uh, of an impact immediately, but uh, how has he been able to do it? Well, the first thing is, is hockey IQ. I mean, he's a smart guy, um, always finds the right spots. And when you're playing with a, a you know a Sidney Crosby or an Evgeny Malkin, that is a huge attribute to have. I mean, if you're if you're the kind of guy who just gets into soft spots in defenses, you're going to put up some points with those guys. But I mean, he's a kid who he has. If you count his time in Wilkes-Barre and Pittsburgh in the regular season and the playoffs. He has 50 goals in 95 games. That's right. Yep. I mean, that's that's remarkable. That's a kid who came in, you know, out of Nebraska Omaha and just totally hit the ground running. And you don't, you know, I covered Wilkesbury for 15 years. You don't see kids come out of college like that and make that immediate AHL impact. Very rare. I saw it maybe, you know, in in, in a decade plus. Connor Sheary did it. Ryan Whitney did it, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then Jake Gensel did it. He's been just, you know, a great. Uh, addition coming right out of college hockey. 
A uh, couple more, then I'll let you go, Jonathan. Thanks so much for yeah, the time. Sure. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. What more do they need from Phil Kessel? No, that's a, it's. I almost feel like um, discussion of Phil Kessel is more like a uh, a reflection of the person doing the discussing than Phil Kessel. If that makes any sense, like yeah. he Phil Kessel does what he does. Um, he plays. He flies up and down his wing, and he tries to get shots off. And he is a great shooter and a great skater. And he does not have that run through the wall mentality that a lot of hockey players do. Um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily associate the word hustle with his game all that often. <laughs> and, but it, but it works for him. Right. I mean, he's a point per game player in the playoffs. That that's you know, I mean, the, the production speaks for itself. So, the, but the question you have to ask yourself is, like, it, it, are you willing to? Does it matter to you how he gets the job done? Because it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the fact that he has no goals in his last five games, if he popped off and scored two tonight, right. wouldn't shock me in the least. Like the, the big, the bigness of the stage will not affect him at all. Uh, he'll, he'll just keep doing what he does. And then for some people, they say, "Man, I, there could be so much more there if he just had a different attitude." And for other people, they're like, "Well, you know, that's Phil, and that's what Phil does." And it, it really is—it's in the eye of the beholder a lot with Phil Kessel, I think. What has Dumoulin meant to the, this run? Um, you know, he—he—they've actually asked him to play a bigger role than than he ever has before, and that maybe that he was even ready for. I mean, look, let's face it. Losing Chris Letang to a neck injury makes a big difference with this team. Huge. There's, uh, there's your, he, that's your quarterback right there. Sure. He's your quarterback, and he plays the most minutes, and he plays in the most situations. And then when you have him in the lineup, everybody slots in underneath him, and it makes more sense. You know, when you don't have him in the lineup, Brian Dumont has to play more minutes in more situations than he's ever played before. Um, the defense as a whole, and Dumoulin in particular, have been, you know, okay. Um, they've obviously they're two wins from a Stanley Cup, so they haven't been a disaster. Right. But they haven't really been a driving force. They haven't been a strength of the team. And what what they need to do, Dumoulin especially, the last couple games of this series is just not be a problem. Um, you know, a game manager kind of situation. Like if you're right. talking quarterbacks, if they can play a Trent Dilfer kind of game, the uh, they'll be fine against the Predators. And if they throw interceptions, that's when you run into trouble. Uh, final question, and uh, then I'll let you go. You, you've now had a chance to watch Nashville three times. Look, during the course of the year, it's, you know, okay, they're here, they're, okay, fine, they're on the right. other, other side. Now, after watching them for three games, is there a player or players that impresses you now that you've had a chance to see them on an every-game basis? Yeah, there is, and it's the it's the other defensemen in the top four. Like we talked about, Roman Yossi and PK Subban being like kind of like a little bit underrated in terms of stars. Yeah. But the guys who play with them, Ryan Ellis yeah. and uh, Matthias Ekholm. Ryan Ellis, especially, he's a guy who he's so decisive with the puck. I mean, he, you know, he he's not he gets it at the point he makes a play, and it's quick and it's decisive and it's right on the tape. And and really, that's made a huge difference in the series. Is is the depth. It's not just, you know, a defenseman here, a defenseman there. I mean, the Penguins played Ottawa in the last round. Eric Carlson's probably the best defenseman in the league. Right. But that's one guy. Nashville has four guys who play a similar game to Carlson. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, if you really look into it, the first two rounds of the series, Ellis was a big goal scorer for them as well. I mean, he, he sure got he involved yeah. in the play, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, they have all four of those defensemen have at least ten points in the playoffs. I don't know that a team has ever had four defensemen with ten playoff points. I mean, that's that's a very rare thing. Yeah. Jonathan, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for giving us uh, time on game day to talk with us. Oh, yeah, it was great to talk to you.
Looking forward to talking to him again tomorrow. Lafitte Pink High on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is WKOK Sunbury.